Well, hi, everyone. It's Daniel Williams, senior editor at MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. And we have another business solutions podcast for you and a frequent guest, Matt Seafeld. Matt, thanks for joining us again. Daniel, I always love joining you on your podcasts uh, as well as the community at MGMA. Yeah. So you are with Metavolve. Bring us up to speed. I know many of our listeners have heard you talk about this before, but just give us an idea of who Metavolve is and what you do there. Yeah, Metavolve, uh, it was an interesting story. You know, I came on board uh, about seven years ago to take a look at the business, and it was a, a privately owned company out of Arkansas. It was a practice management company, did not have an EMR, um, and had a small RCM business, primarily focused on insurance AR. Not necessarily a growth story in what we would consider a fairly commoditized space nowadays. Um, so the first thing I started looking at was where are the gaps in the practice management system that allows our, our RCM company, as well as our clients that use our PM, to really understand in real time the production and the outcome of their RCM staff. And I think that you know, we call it effective intelligence, but it's basically let me bring you intel on your people that allows you to then act on that intel, you know, and you can choose to act or choose to not act. What was interesting was, was when we started to build this out, um, we started to, to see the gaps in a lot of other PMs than our own. And this is something that I've seen throughout my career. I've been in healthcare, web cycle, consulting, technology, software development for 24 years. And, and I don't blame the PMEMR companies. There's a lot of competition there. They have to focus on physician experience. They have to focus on the consumer experience now, right? But who gets left behind, ironically, is it's the people that actually manage the revenue cycle, which gets providers paid for what is now pretty expensive to deliver services. So it's, it's really been, been a focus on how do we give empowerment back to our clients that say, these individuals are doing a great job. And these need to be promoted, right? Recognized, reward, retained. These other ones have to have an opportunity to improve or show they want to. And if not, you've created capacity within your team and you've also created an opportunity to reduce some of your labor costs, which I think everybody would enjoy a little bit more margin today. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And just as a follow-up, I know you're role there is always evolving, but what are you up to right now? What are you focused on? What are you working on? Yeah, I, so I, you know, technically, you know, I'm probably the number two guy in the company, executive vice president. I do oversee a lot of departments, sales and marketing being one of them. Uh, but I also oversee the implementation of our effective intelligence suite, which is these, these, uh, this workflow automation system we put on any PM, right? We can put it on any practice management system in the market. And, and that's, that's a pretty big focus of mine. I also still run all the strategy and the ideation behind this. Uh, this has really been my baby since 2003, 2004, when I realized that there was an opportunity to, to build something that could bolt on to any PM system. And back then I was working with large health systems, academic medical centers, uh, that would help bring margin back to the organization and create an opportunity to recognize and reward employees that were going above and beyond. 
you know, and so that's really the focus. I'm working closely with our VP of product strategy. We're looking at other ways to uh, bring in AI automation. Uh, AI coding is a big one. We just did a partnership with a, a fantastic company in that space. Uh, I probably wouldn't want to go back and get my coding credentials. You know, uh, I think the the AI is going to put a little damper in that that market. Prior auth automation, right? Mm -hmm. Working with another company uh, in that in that area. But what we're trying to do is is really be the company that helps our clients understand the total touches it takes to get the outcome. Okay. And and this is one thing that continues to be missed, in my opinion. And I actually went in for a surgery recently. I had my left meniscus cleaned up and he was nice enough to do some arthritic damage repair, whatever that means, under my kneecap. <laughs> Prior to me going under, though, I was joking around with them. I said, hey, I noticed my allowable is like 1500 bucks. You know, that's pretty good. Blue Cross of Arkansas is going to pay you pretty good for this 20-minute procedure. And he kind of chuckled. I said, do you have a Medicare patient after me? <laughs> paying you half. And I think he was like, Yeah. <laughs> but I went further and I said, I said, you got a lot of costs, don't you? And just performing this surgery. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I got a PA, I got anesthesia, I got, you know, the OR, everything. I said, do you know how much it costs and how many people and touches it takes to get my claim paid for you? He's like, no. I said, do you think that that would be something that important for a business owner? Well, yes. Why is that? You know, and, and this is, this is the thing, right? And I, I like to use Henry Ford. Right. A yeah. hundred plus years ago, somebody named Henry Ford decided I could have one person make an entire car or I could figure out the true order in which things need to be assembled mm -hmm. to be able to produce more at a higher margin, get better costs on on raw materials, et cetera, et cetera. How can we in North American healthcare yeah. still not answer that question? It's crazy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So everyone's talking about AI and automation and all these things. But at the end of the day, folks, humans are not going to ever be taken away from RevCycle, and at least not in our time. Yeah. I mean, it's just not happening. you got the commercial managed care payers. They're always going to create chaos out there, right? They're looking for people to make mistakes. We also have the human condition, right? Do I really want to work hard? You know, work-life balance, COVID taught me a lot, right? Everyone's going through that. So now how do I motivate people? How do I get people on my revenue cycle teams to become more focused on self-actualization? Do more today, do better today. But then you got to recognize that effort, reward it. So it's interesting that, that as a company, we've really simplified our message to our software paired with any PM system allows you to track every touch and by, all, and by whom those touches are occurring to get you paid, right? Yeah. And it's a lot. I mean, the studies that we've done, I mean, even in our own RCM team, I looked at a couple of years worth of services that we build for, right? And we built for a lot. I mean, there was 357,000 touches wow. uh, on that. And that, I think to yourself, you know, for us, it's about $5.25 a touch. You know, everything we do for our RCM company is still onshore. So it's more expensive. If I could reduce 50% of that cost, what is that going to do to the margin of a privately held company like us? It's going to be huge, right? And so we have to start thinking about touches as waste. And the quote that I always use is that once you start touching claims post-service, right, post-coding, your margin starts to go down. Your wallet share is shrinking. And if we look at the macroeconomic factors today, then they compared to even three or four years ago, what do we have? Inflationary prices, right? We got more money we spend on supplies, more money we spend on people. We also have this high staff turnover. 
Every one of our clients is suffering with MAs leaving, nurses leaving, moving elsewhere to get better jobs, more money, right? So you have this chaos going on in the clinical machine. And then you've got the RCM administrative staff, which are also now paying 10 to 20% more. And you've got the insurance companies that don't want to pay you more. Right. And then that Medicare that's going to continue to, to look at ways to, to narrow what they pay. So it's not a pretty picture for anybody that runs a revenue cycle. Uh, we want to empower our clients, though, with tools that allow you to claw back some of that loss margin. And that's that's really the position that our business is in now. So, yes, we still have a PM system. It's a rock rock solid. Yes, we integrate with any EMR out there. Yes, I still have an RCM services business, both on the self-pay side as well as the insurance side. But it's a it's the effective intelligence suite is really the majority of the conversations that we're having now. And, and that's where we want to be as a company. And we want to continue to push the frontier on, on what we're doing. I mean, you guys put out a great article yesterday. We were talking about that, Daniel, before mm -hmm. we started. I mean, it was so great to see because I said, wow, everything we're doing is aligned with what MGMA is hearing in terms of strategies for 2024, mm -hmm. uh, almost to the to the T. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, the, the, the quandary now though, is, is that how do you get providers to actually acknowledge that and act on it? Because selling in healthcare is very hard. It's always been hard. And, and we saw this last year, as most healthcare software companies did, that people did not want to spend money when they're losing so much money. Mm -hmm. So the question is, you know, is what, what is it going to take for a provider to realize that they have to make investments in light in technology right and in some cases services but more so in technology to be able to claw back some of that margin you mm -hmm. know and, and and i don't have an answer to that yet because i'm not i'm not on that that side um, right let me follow up then so one of the things we want to talk about today is leveraging technology leveraging ai um so give us a better understanding then how executives can leverage AI and use automation the right way in the rev cycle. Because you're saying in one hand, there's a reticence to maybe spend money right now in some cases, uh, particularly if AI's still, I mean, we're our, I utilize it a lot um, just in developing content right now. It's helped me be way more efficient. Um, but if you're out of practice, hospital, health system, what are, what are those guys doing or how can they do it better? Yeah. So, so the cool thing about, about AI today is look at all the structured data that's being generated between the EMR and the practice management system. And then Metavault solution even adds another layer of structured data around the actions that are being taken and the outcomes they're getting in RevCycle. So I always say he or she who has access to the most data wins in the AI, right? Because, because now you actually, and I, I look more at generative AI than I do the reactive, like the chat GBTs and stuff. Yeah, let me get started, write me an example, do these things. We need learning systems, right? And I'll give you an example, right? So we're working with a company right now that focuses really in this generative adaptive AI. And what it does is it's looking at all the structured data and it's starting to independently come up with patterns. You know, why is revenue down? So, I mean, I can sit there and say, why is revenue down? And then I can go into our analytics stack and I can click right. some buttons and, and figure it out in a reasonable time frame. 
But the machine is going to figure out not only much quicker, but it's going to start learning and evolving on it, right? It starts to offer recommendation sets. Imagine a provider being able to come in, in the morning and just read their insights. This The engine just told you where your problems are, and it went further and told you what to do about it, and it even told you the economic benefit if you act on it, right? And, and so this is where structured data, this is why I'm so bullish on capturing more structured data around what's happening with claims and revenue cycle than the PMs are capable of doing, because you got to have that next step of data, right? Just telling me that a claim is in this status isn't enough, right? What I did with that claim, what was the outcome of the action I did? Did it actually yield anything? If it did, what, right? I mean, now you're getting into much more sophisticated, far, this is, we're not in pivot tables anymore. We're not in Excel. I was talking with a partner of ours yesterday. I said, you know, having been around analytics and dashboards for 20 plus years, it's funny how I finally accepted the fact that, that this industry still lives in monthly reporting, export to Excel, where's my problem? And no matter how cool the dashboards these companies, even us, have, they're not going to leverage it in the way that needs to be leveraged. So I actually think what's going to happen, Daniel, is you're going to be a leap over that. And this okay. is why we're focused so much on insights and AI and adaptive AI. I'm not even going to ask you to go figure it out. I'm just going to tell you what to do. And I think that's where where we are. And 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 I, I'm totally okay with it because it's going to surpass our ability to do analytics quickly. You think about a consultant can bill you $300 an hour, sit there in an office somewhere and then give you a nice PowerPoint. We used to do that, right? Back in the day. AI is just going to tell you these things. It's a virtual consultant on the fly. It's always there. It's always watching. It's it's your, it's, I always say, it's like your your eyes and ears to where where that extra penny is. You know, I'm still amazed that when we are entered the sales process, we always try to ask for some basic information to establish health of the revenue cycle. 95% of the time, Daniel, I can't even get that. These are basic things. How many claims do you have on your AR today? You know, what's your net collection rate? You know, what's your AR aging? Yeah, I mean, it's, they, they don't have it available. It's always like, well, I think I, I can get it. I was like, you can get it. This is a battle right now. Bullets are flying off. We don't have time to go get it, right? It's got to yeah. be right there in front of us. Right. And, and so I think there's going to be a leap. I think we're going to leap right over. Um, I think the other principle that, that we've introduced is this concept of, a, we call it zero touch rate, but what it really means in a colloquial sense is no human had to get involved after you delivered the service rate. Very different than clean claim pass. That's just one component. And so our clients are now able to look at, at, at how many claims go out the door and get paid without human intervention. But the inverse of that is where humans are having to get involved. And this is really important because... I think there's a lot of investment going in to, to potentially the wrong areas of revenue cycle, right? People are at these shows, they see these cool AI bots and look at this and automate that. What if that's actually not your problem? Do you know where your humans are getting involved, right? If your problem is refiling or your problem is first pass analysis, or your problem is, is tasking, you know, whatever it is, it's like, you've got to be able to understand that because that's where, that's where you're, you're, 20 plus dollar an hour employees now are spending their time. And so we want to look at it. And then based on where the humans are getting involved the most, that's when we start to look at where do we fill the gap? And you're right. Some of it's going to be a reason we like the AI coding uh, machine that we're putting in now, a great company we're working with. 
It's because we know that's a gap, right? It's expensive to code charts. And if you could code 30, 40, maybe 50% with the AI engine, and you can reduce first pass denials for coding, that's a huge win for anybody, right? Prior auth, auth uh, automation, same thing, right? If, if, if a bot can go out if, and tell you that, yes, you've got it, no, you don't, yes, we're waiting on it, it's gonna help clean up the front end of the revenue cycle just a little bit more. So there are definitely applicabilities with a lot of these, these, these cool companies. Uh, and Metaval's approach is, is really more on a partner now. You know, We built a lot on our own. Uh, we don't buy companies. And you know, we're looking at, at partners that kind of fit this ecosystem that drives automation. And at the end of the day, drives less touches, right? Mm -hmm. That's the whole goal. Less touches to get the outcome. Ideally, no touches. Yeah. A, a final question then. This is for our listeners who are absorbing all of this that you're saying. How do they evaluate when and where to implement AI or other automation? Yeah, well, I think the time is now to do it. You know, and I look at I look at uh, people have to act this year, if not already, very aggressively on on automation, mainly focusing on how they workforce automation. And what I mean by that is is that is that we have to accept that the PM systems were not designed and will not deliver that anytime soon. In fact, it's not even on the roadmap. So I've had conversations with a lot of even blue chip PM EMR companies, and they're like, we're actually doing partners with them. We're actually partnering with a lot of these companies. Okay. okay? So so it's not on their priority. It's not on their roadmap, right? And so I, uh, your listeners, your 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 folks that attend these conferences, all of your members out there. Now is the time to make investments in technology that's going to bring transparency to where all the humans are getting involved from the point of the service being rendered to the zero balance, and then look at technology that allows you to start to reduce that waste, reduce those touches. But you have to start with understanding where humans are getting involved. And that's the thing that's so frustrating for me still in this industry is it can't just be look at the AR team. Right. It can't just be, you know, emails floating around, you know, about, hey, Daniel, I need you to do this for me on this claim. And you're like, it's not my problem. It's Bob's problem. It, everything has to be captured and tied to that visit. So we understand true cost. Again, I go back to Henry Ford. Henry Ford would not be OK right now saying I'm going to go do a surgery, but I don't really know what the administrative cost is going to be. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's like, are you making money on it? Are you losing money on it? Right. Are we losing less money on it? Are we losing more money on it? I mean, any other business out right. there that I'm aware of, and I've only been in healthcare, but I have friends in other industries, Yeah, laugh. <laughs> they laugh at me. They're like, wow. <laughs> and then I have to turn back on them and say, yeah, but you guys are all consumer of healthcare. Like, we're all consumers of healthcare. For sure. So when margins degrade and, and provider groups have to sell out, right? They have to sell to the hospital. They sell to private equity. They close their doors. Hospitals close their doors. That's hurting communities. I have a, I'm in here in San Diego and I know for a fact, I won't name names, that there are certain groups here that have flat out said, we do not take, never, we're not taking Medicaid at all, Medi-Cal, right. and we don't take Medicare anymore. And we only take these, where, where is, where are people going to get healthcare, right? So that's not the answer. The answer is we have to regain margin and we have to be efficient with our people along revenue cycle to get paid, right? And the only way in my consulting brain to do that is understand first where all the work is occurring and then we get forensic on how we fix it is it a personnel issue maybe is it a process issue possibly is it a technology gap possibly maybe it's a combination of all three likely mm -hmm. 
got to know where it is first, right? You know, you, you, it's not a one size fits all. It's, uh, you know, and, and I, I back to your question, is it that those are the investments that people have to look at. They have to look at these things. Uh, if they're going to be um, any sort of a growth story, creating capacity in their teams, especially groups that are trying to buy more practices, uh, you, you know, you, you can't hire at the same rate that you've been doing in the past, right? You have to create, in fact, it, actually at the MGMA show uh, in the fall, I spoke with Heather at Atlas Healthcare Partners. Right. Remember her big thing there was how you know they were leveraging our, our technology to create capacity within their teams. They're they're buying ASCs left and right. And she's like, I can't keep hiring the same amount of Remedy Cycle people every time I purchase an ASC, right? They're doing all the billing for 30 now plus ASCs around the country. I have to be efficient with my people. I have to be accountable. I have to understand where the waste is. I have to understand what to do about it. And so that was, uh, and we had a great, great time, by the way, in the fall and, and always loved yeah. meeting the members and having great conversations. So we're looking forward to being back again this spring. Yeah. In fall. Well, Matt, it is awesome having you back on the show. Uh, it was awesome seeing you at Leaders. And as a reminder, we're going to be, MGMA is going to have the finance conference in your neck of the woods there in San Diego in April. And that is going to be incredible so can't wait to see you there yeah blue skies april is, is i call that that's probably 80 degrees nice blue skies when that last minute snowstorms running through the midwest <laughs> east coast your your folks are going to be out on surfboards with us so that's you know, it. it'll be it'll be nice so daniel always great to see you thanks again for having me on you got it so thanks everyone this is going to do it for this episode of business solutions uh and we thank Matt Seafeld of Metavolve again for joining us. And thank you all for being listeners. Most physicians don't have the opportunity to learn the business of medicine. What docs don't get taught, physician business training is a course developed by MGMA and administrators from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. This interactive course provides in-depth physician business training that can drive personal and organizational success. Purchase now for yourself or your organization at physicianbusinesstraining.com and earn eight hours of CME credit. Again, go to physicianbusinesstraining.com to purchase and to learn more.